sometimes people think, oh, I want to work football. But in their mind, working football means when the game starts. Well, we're there five or six hours before that. (laughs) My interns get to take on running certain events and sometimes they get to run championships. And I try to make sure that before it's all over, they have a moment to sit and celebrate that. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. Sometimes you have to move out to move up. This was a common phrase shared by management early in my sports broadcasting career, and it is a common theme in the sports industry today. It wasn't necessarily a threat, more of a reality and the beginning of a strategy. I'll explain. But the concept is pretty simple. Our sports industry doesn't always have a ton of turnover ahead of you in the executive level. Sometimes to grow, you have to move to a different place. In many industries, the idea is to bring in fresh talent, nurture, train, support, and grow. It's not unusual for Google to hire 600 engineers fresh out of college each year. That is their talent pipeline. Sports has always run differently, which really isn't something to brag about. Not all the time, but very often, it is a winding path to your dream job in sports. It's rare to start at the Dallas Cowboys and be there for 20 years. More common is starting at the Altoona Curve for two years, jumping to the Gwinnett Stripers, transitioning to football with the New Orleans Breakers, and then maybe you get noticed by the Dallas Cowboys as an experienced product they can win with. In broadcasting, we used to call it climbing the market ladder. You start in Bowling Green, which is market 174, move to Panama City, market 153, and then crack the top 100 in good old Boise, Idaho, which leads to a plum job in Kalamazoo, and maybe then ESPN will start to notice you and give you an opportunity. It's tricky. A lot of these paths are blocked. When I was at CNN Sports Illustrated and I reached the point of being a senior producer, my next move would have been on the management level, you know, bigger projects and greater responsibilities, but all those people in those jobs weren't going anywhere. For me to grow, I needed to move elsewhere, which led to my move to Fox Sports Northwest. That other opportunity, moving out to move up. College athletics follows a very similar pattern, but with even more variables added into it. Number one, there are expectations in college athletics that you will have a master's degree. That's not easy. That's a stumbling block for some. Number two, usually start out with graduate assistant work while you get your master's, as if you weren't working hard enough already. And then number three, you need to still climb that ladder to the position you dream for yourself. This is a long and winding road to feeling settled. Now, I say all this, and it sounds really negative. But I wouldn't have changed a thing from my own personal experience. I moved around. I worked crazy hours. I had some financial struggles early when the pay wasn't that high. And it really made me who I am today. I don't mean that to be all sunshiny. There's bumps in the roads, but... Right now, I'm a really happy, extremely fulfilled guy who had crazy cool experiences in press boxes and interviewing athletes with great stories and experiences to share that have built me into where I am right now. The sports world is not for everyone. That's okay. But it could be perfect for you. The people I interview love their jobs, even with all those hiccups that I expressed. Today's guest, Stephanie Davis, is the Associate Athletic Director for Event Management at the University of Minnesota. A really cool job. But get this, the first eight years of her career in college athletics, after graduating from the University of Florida in 2008, included four different colleges. 
was at University of Florida. Then she went to University of Houston. Then she went to Georgia Tech. Then she went to Rice University and Miami University. And 10 different job titles, ranging from compliance to equipment management. She was all over the place because that's how you grow in college athletics. But there's always a moment where stability hits. In 2017, Stephanie landed at the University of Minnesota and has been there ever since, almost six years now, leading the event management team at a major Division I program. She's going to tell you all about it. But the thing you need to comprehend and realize and put into your strategy and to just get to grips with is that stability may take a while, but the journey makes it worth it. Here's Stephanie Davis. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? It's so nice to meet you. It's so great to have you on the show. Hi, Brian. I'm really good. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the discussion. These are conversations I love. College athletics is always an important, there's a, there's a subsect of people who want to work in the sports industry that are really focused in this direction. So I think there are a lot of great topics we can get into today that will give people a lot of insight. But I want to start with this. I love non-traditional entry points into the sports industry. And you surely have one. Uh, when you were an undergrad at University of Florida, you were majoring in anthropology. So let's forget about sports for a second. Tell me that thought process. Like, what led you to thinking anthropology is the direction I want to go? And what was that kind of plan or vision you had for yourself? So as many people do, I actually started with a separate, with a different plan. I was yeah. hoping to graduate with a degree in athletic training. And athletic medicine. And um, as I started doing some shadowing and spending some time with athletic trainers, I kind of realized that that really wasn't what spoke to me as much as I thought it did. And yeah. a lot of my core classes helped to fulfill the, the criteria or the curriculum for um, anthropology. So what I ended up doing was just finishing out with anthropology. And that was by far one of the best decisions I think I made in my college career. Um, definitely hopped around a bit, but it ended the way it needed to. I thoroughly enjoyed my classes in anthropology. I took some osteology classes, forensic sciences, cultural uh, anthropology, religion, and other studies. It was great. So um, wasn't sure what I was going to do with it after that, but I, I had a great yeah. time in my last few years of school. I think that's really interesting. I, I, like I said, I've, shared, I've had a lot of people on the show tell different stories of their entry point. I think it's nice to let everybody know that there doesn't have to be one path. There doesn't have to be one entry point into the industry. You don't have to always be a sports management major, and that delves into the – I mean, I love those programs, but it doesn't always have to be that way. So opening that up for everybody. I was laughing as I was thinking about it, though, because at the same time that you were doing your anthropology undergrad, you were also a student equipment manager for – the football team at University of Florida, and eventually the track and field time. So it was like Jane Goodall during the day and sports junkie at night. I was kind of laughing, cr cracking myself up thinking about that. What was what was that like being involved on that side of things, on the uh, equipment management side? It, it was definitely a boys club, and I was the only girl in it uh, for a good portion of the time. It was fun, though. I was able to do a lot of things. I learned a lot about um, the equipment and just kind of the the process of practices. Um, my favorite part of being a football manager in particular was when we would set up uh, the locker rooms and everything. If we knew a certain TV crew wanted to come in and get uh, B-roll, we, you know, we were looking when uh, we would see the, the production to see if our locker was uh, broadcasted on TV and all of that. We would crank up the music in the locker rooms and stuff like that on game day. I mean, it was it was a riot. It was such a great experience. 
And then I had experiences with track and field, which was slightly different in a sense that it was a bunch of individual um, competitors, if you will. I was still supporting the overall team, but I had to learn more specifics about each uh, event and, and kind of what they needed and learning different uh, parts about the equipment, the spikes and, yeah. and all of that. And so it was really fun. I, I consider myself very fortunate um, and I got to see things from a different point of view. At the end of the day, I'm not in equipment anymore, but I feel like having the understanding of what goes into it really helps me to be a good teammate for uh, those that I work with that are in equipment. Yeah, from the curriculum you discussed with anthropology and then the experience you had with the equipment management, you really are getting a wide-angle lens at a lot of different skills and traits and things that are applicable. You know, it may not seem like a direct line, but it's all stuff that's really applicable. You mentioned something else really interesting in there, too, of it being an all-boys club, and I hear this a lot. Uh, and I know when I first started in the sports media and I was in a newsroom, a lot of the women that I worked with were like, this is like an all-boys club. This is like a, a sports bar, and it's a workplace. <laughs> What's that like when you're first starting out and, and, and that feeling? What do you do with that? How do you, do you, do you embrace it? Do you challenge it? What was your approach? Sure. So um, just to kind of give some context before I got in there, I was actually an equipment manager and student trainer for the high school that I uh, graduated from, which was Northwest High School. And at that time, it was all girls. And so to come mm-hmm. into college and realize, hey, there's, there's nobody else. It's just me. Um, and there were female athletic trainers as well. So we were able to connect there. It, it was somewhat of a shock. Um, yeah. And I definitely had to find, you know, find my niche. I think I, one of the things that made me really a good teammate in that space was the fact that I was extremely strategic and organized. Um, and so I kind of found a way to own my area, learn from them and then own my area. And, uh, just, you know, kind of play it safe. But um, I'll admit, there were times it was a little hard, and I'm thinking, yeah. okay, now. <laughs> I didn't have to yeah. deal with this when I was with a bunch of girls, but, you know, I made it yeah. through. So, yeah. It's a challenge. It's an ongoing one. I know it's something we talk about a lot in the sports industry, and I think there's been a lot of eyes open to that and a lot of positive changes, but it's still definitely a work in progress. We can talk about more on that later. But for you personally, when did you start to figure out the path that you wanted for yourself? Was this an experience that you were saying, all right, I get a lot of enjoyment out of this side being involved in the athletic programs. Let's turn that into a career. Or how did it kind of evolve to a point where you said, college athletics, this is my angle. This is my direction. This is where I want to head. Really good question there. I think sometime when I was with track and field and I realized that there were so many other sports I didn't have a clear understanding from the behind the scenes perspective. And I thought, oh, I can really explore this a little bit more and and grow in it. Um, So that was probably my senior year. And I thought I was going to graduate and embark on this career in equipment management. The Great Recession was taking place around that time. So it didn't exactly happen as I envisioned it. Um, and, And so, yeah, that's kind of where some other opportunities presented themselves. Yeah. You also decided to go back and get your master's. And this is, you were working at Georgia Tech, but all getting your master's at Georgia State. I think I have that correct. Yes. Is that right? Yep. Okay, good. Whew, proper research. <laughs> I didn't want to mess up my Georgia's. Um, <laughs> as a guy who lived in Atlanta for many years, I should remember those quite well. But nonetheless, there you, go. you have your master's, you have your doctorate now. We're going to get into that. You've really mastered this art 
but not everybody goes and gets their master's in sports. Why did you determine that that was an important step, something you wanted to do, and how has it benefited you looking forward? So I appreciate you speaking it into existence. I'm working on my doctorate, but hey, I, I appreciate. Oh, it's that. not. It's not a. Fi- okay, so we're gonna assume we're gonna say it's <laughs> happening. So we're gonna. Um, but yeah, I'm impressed by it. So you get my admiration no matter what. Thank you. But um, yeah, so I, one of the things that was very was a common statement was that they were looking for somebody with a that hires are looking for um, or people who are hiring were looking for someone with an education in sport. And now to be fair, at the time I had just went to school and I thought, ooh, athletic training, right? I didn't know there was a thing yeah. or a degree path or anything like that for sport management or sport administration. And so I felt like it was kind of hindering me to not have that experience um, or that educational background in sport management or sport administration. And so when I was at Georgia Tech, I kind of looked around. There were a lot more people. Again, this is during the recession. And I'm seeing people my age working. And I'm thinking, wow, y'all have full-time jobs. And they were telling me, no, we're actually working here. And then getting support to go to school at Georgia State. And so I went to our administration at Georgia Tech and asked if they could help to kind of develop a program and an opportunity for me for that. And they said yes. So to be able to fulfill that um, obligation, I did hop around in different departments, which, I, again, I think contributes to um, how I operate today and how I, I work with my colleagues because of the experience and the understandings that I developed. But that's that's really how it um, kind of spurred. I just wanted to make sure that I was taking away any reason for somebody to tell me no. Yeah. <laughs> No, that makes complete sense. And when you were at Georgia Tech too, you kind of alluded to this, that you started to get into compliance and facilities and some other aspects. Is that really important in college athletics, looking back at it now, the the breadth of experience that you can have and that that really helps with your, your growth in particular? I would say this much, not having that kind of broad foundation will not eliminate your chance, will not minimize your chances. For me, it was really important because I wanted to understand, well, who are these people making decisions? What are they making decisions about? I kind of like to expand my knowledge as much as possible. I like to get exposure to any and everything that I possibly can. It's kind of like that hungry hippo game. You know, I'm just trying to collect as much as I possibly can. I love that analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's great. I encourage my students to explore different options, connect with different people. I'm all about that. Um, I think it only helps you, but it will not hurt you if you do not have that kind of a background. Yeah, I get asked a lot, a couple things in there. I get asked a lot, like, should I be a jack of all trades or should I focus on one specific thing? And I'm I'm always kind of answering the same way you do is it kind of depends sometimes. Like if you really know what you love, like leaning into something and becoming an expert of it, there's nothing wrong with that. But you're still in a discovery phase too of your life. So being exposed to additional opportunities, nothing wrong with that either. You're acquiring. And that's the, I like your hungry hippo analogy better though. Thank you. Um, and, and I would say that mindset does carry on to where I am now. As Even as you take on more responsibilities, you're still learning. Somebody's going to say, hey, yeah. Stephanie, here's an opportunity you want to, or we need help here. I mean, it may be outside of the, scope of my current understanding, but there's no reason I can't tap into it. So early in your career, you've now done equipment management. You've done, you've started to work in operations. You've had some compliance work. What were kind of the positive and negatives of each one of those that you saw? What are the, what were those experiences like? And, you know, what did you love? What did you not love? So with equipment management, again, I loved getting ready for game day. 
Um, I loved knowing the intricacies and all the little details about the equipment. I, at that point, had more sports that I was working with. And so I felt um, that I was a bit more knowledgeable, understanding the cut of jerseys and, and how that applies to volleyball versus football, um, shoes for basketball. I, I loved every bit of it. Uh, what I did not like was the laundry at all. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't really uh, feel do- you. I wasn't doing the best. I have three kids. I feel you on the laundry. I mean, it's different when you have a full athletic department, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that started to wear on me. I I liked ordering. I liked managing the budget. I just did not get, I didn't like that, Um, the laundry. But in compliance, compliance was essentially, it felt like I was learning a whole new language. I took a practicum in my grad program, which helped me to kind of, uh, dig into each bylaw, and then uh, the people I worked with were great. Uh, I have to give credit to Miss Merlene Aiken Smith, who was very instrumental in telling me to read everything. There were times I would get a stack of papers to shred, and she's like, "You need to read everything in this stack, and then shred it." And to this day, I apply that concept of making sure that I I read things, I take the time to synthesize even the tournament manuals and stuff like that that we come across. So. Um, really give her credit for that. At the time, we, there was a lot of paper. So you can yeah. imagine um, that, yeah. you know, that that wasn't uh, that wasn't something that I thoroughly enjoyed, but I, I really liked understanding the bylaws and how it applied to the different sports. And then the uh, event management. Uh, yes. So everything that I did was about game day. And I got to meet a lot of people and understand how much bigger the game day operation was than I originally thought and had a great time connecting with those folks, uh, learning a little bit more about them and then seeing the fruits of my labor. There's something to be said about taking a moment and watching the student athletes that you have done all of this for and then the crowd. Yes. And so knowing that I was a part of that, it just, it was a high every time when I was a, a student at the time, or an intern, excuse me. And at the time, I also had facility um, responsibilities. So I was able to open up a couple of facilities, which was really, really cool. And I would say the thing that I did not particularly care for was the punch list. <laughs> it kept getting longer, not getting shorter. Expectations get higher, <laughs> time gets smaller. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But understanding the little intricate details in terms of how a facility runs and then maybe the transition between at the time it was uh, McCainish Pavilion. So understanding how to set it up for boys or men's basketball, excuse me, versus uh, women's basketball. And at one point the water valve broke. And I was the one that walked in and tried to. <laughs> everywhere. So, like this is not you know, the job description. Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> this is that other duties. Other duties aside, aside right? Yeah. To. Yeah, but all in all, it was it was a. There were highs and lows, or pros and cons to each each role. But I know I learned great lessons from all of them. You said some. You said a lot of things that really stuck out to me in there. But one that that uh, resonates a lot is the reading everything. I had a, a guest a while ago, Tiara Brown, who works for the Charlotte Hornets, and she was in community relations. And she said when she was interning, one of the things she got great benefit out of was even if she was asked to do something like filing, she's like, I had to read what I was filing. And so I'm reading marketing plans, and I'm reading uh, reports, and I'm reading all the things of how this business operates. And that was like getting my master's. 
And it doesn't always have to be this high-tech, highfalutin idea. Sometimes it's just absorbing the information that's right there for you. So that's I think that's that's really great insight. Yes. And when you think about what we are on the tail end of, hopefully, COVID, I mean, how many documents did we have to read? How many manuals were created maybe within the span of a week and then shared and all of that? Yes. Reading is is definitely something that um, is underutilized. Yeah. You get in deep. You can't put everything in 140, was it characters? Yep. <laughs> you might get like books and stuff. So yeah. yeah. So you spent a year at Rice as well in Texas uh, as an equipment manager for Olympic sports. So again, still kind of in your wheelhouse. But you also got budget oversight at that time. How valuable was that experience to dig into the business side of the operation and get that whole ownership to it? To me, that sounds like that would open up a lot of future opportunities as well, having that kind of experience on your resume. It was a tremendous opportunity and it was something that I really wanted. There were a list of things that I was hoping to to attain in my future roles and this was one of them. I always believe that when it comes to finances, you have to learn how to, you either learn how to bring in the money or you have to learn how to spend the money responsibly. And so I felt yep. that in that role, that was, that was my opportunity to spend responsibly, look at what we were currently doing, see if there were any efficiencies that we could tap into. And so in that time, we actually transitioned from, I recommended to transition from one vendor to the next who provided us with the same uh, quality of product, better service to be fair, and drastically cut our budget. And so we were able to move forward with that and that I felt like that was a benefit. So those funds could be reallocated to other areas in the athletics department. That's a skill set that translates no matter what you end up doing. Like no matter what industry you get into, if you have an ability to manage a budget and make smart vendor decisions or to save money, it jumps out on a resume. Yes. I mean, we're all in revenue ops in some ways. And it, it, it also sets you up for success literally anywhere. Absolutely. Sometimes it seems like, oh, well, I'll, you know, wait until I get this huge championship, $12 million budget. But why don't you start with your own personal budget? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I probably should do that. <laughs> That's kind of what I did. I started with my own personal budget and finally I was given one as a part of my job responsibilities and I felt prepared for that. I should really do that. Now you're making me think about doing my own financials better. Uh, <laughs> we, we can all improve there too. I definitely can. So, okay, let's talk about the, a little bit of the realities of college athletics. You are now six years post-graduation from undergrad, and you're moving on to your fifth athletic program at Miami, Miami University in Oxford. This is the reality of this world. I started out in television, very similar. You tend to jump around from markets in order to grow and, and develop. Where are you at mentally at this time as you're jumping around? Are you feeling like you're getting closer? Are you unsure and questioning things? Like, I'm always curious how people are feeling at this part of the journey that can feel a little bit chaotic. Sure. So when I was at Georgia Tech, one of the administrators said, as we had this women's forum, that sometimes you have to go out to go up. So yep. I had that in the back of my mind. However, at this point, I was thinking I'm a little tired of packing my car and yep. going all over the place. And mm -hmm. to be fair, by the time I came to Miami, at that point, I was I was done doing equipment. I, I felt like it had served yeah. an amazing purpose in my life at, at the time, and I wanted to fully transition into event and facility operations. So this was my first start in doing that. And I realized that I might have to kind of hop around a bit 
to get to that, um, to get to, I guess, where I thought I would be uh, or wanted to be. And yeah, so it, it definitely was somewhat of a struggle um, yeah. kind of moving around, but they welcomed me and I saw a lot of opportunities there and it was just, it was a bunch of growth for me, but also I finally was doing what I loved. I was no longer doing laundry, but I was finally yeah. doing. Get rid of the laundry. <laughs> let's do something else. Yeah. I was doing what I loved. I was able to work with, we had an intern program, so I was able to work with the college students and yeah. started seeing more so a passion for that as well and trying to get them experience, even if it's just something that they want to do in their free time. Yeah, of course. Well, so at this time too, you get to the level of assistant AD. How much does that change things when you go from, I mean, more of an individual contributor type role in the department to then being like, you've got a lot more in your purview and it's bigger strategies and it's bigger responsibilities. What was that transition like? It was a shock at first. I welcomed yeah. it, <laughs> but it was definitely yeah. a shock. And my colleague and I were actually, we started seeing a split. So he started taking on more of the facility piece and I started taking on more of the events and guest services piece. And what the nice part about it was you have these ideas of if I ever get yep. into the chair, these are some of the things that I'm going to do, or these are some of the things I'd like to implement. And so somebody said, okay, then do it. Yeah, like now, now you okay. really right now. Okay, yeah. I got it. <laughs> yes, and and so it did take me out of the space of just doing things and worrying about what's going on. Oh yeah, in, you know, at my desk in my little parking lot. Then I'm sitting in my parking space. Now I'm looking at the whole parking lot and what's going on and and everything that is taking place. Uh, you know, within this within the athletics program. So my colleague, just to give you more context on that reference, my colleague will say. You know, you might have some people whose role calls for them to look and focus on what's going on in their parking space. And maybe their supervisor is dealing with one parking lot, the whole collection of all those spaces, along with maybe a couple other um, parking areas. And and so just kind of yeah. understanding what's, a, you know, it's a bigger picture um, that I had to factor in. But I also realized I needed to slow down on my decisions because I wasn't making decisions for just me. I was then making decisions that factored in other areas that had greater impact. So I needed to bring other people to the table and, and really capitalize on the collaborative aspect of being a strategic collaborator. That's a second great analogy you've given, by the way. The, the hunger hippo one is lingering with me, but I like the parking lot analogy too, because it really nails it. Like I remember early career being, I'd have specific assignments and I had to do them really well. And I knew exactly where my lane was. And then when you start to get into management and you've got a bigger picture and you've got a lot of parking spots, that's a big challenge. What do you think made you successful yeah. in that role uh, that made you more confident in that role, helped you grow in that role? Because that's, a, that's not necessarily something you can always prepare for until you're tasked with doing it. Absolutely. Again, going to the collaboration piece, I realized that while I may be in this role, I can't do everything alone. And there are some people who are subject matter experts, and I need to tap into to those relationships, really work on those and, and uh, invite them to the table for conversations. So make those times with where we're together talking more meaningful. Make those a space where we can actually have dialogue about maybe some of the hard things, right? Like this, 
this aspect of our game day is probably not working the way that it needs to. Yeah. What can we do to fix it? No judgment, no blame. At the end of the day, somebody's going to come to this event and say, eh, I didn't have a good time at Miami Athletics yeah. because of such and such. What can we do to change that narrative? And so once you get people to buy in and feel as though they are welcomed and there's an expectation and a support for diversity of thought, that's that's uh, when you start seeing things change. That's when you can be kind of a transformational leader. So you're, you're, you're pretty laser focused now. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of responsibilities that go into event management, but you really do have your lane pretty clear. For the last five years at the University of Minnesota, your role has been pretty clear in event management, director of event management, assistant AD of direct event management, associate AD. We're climbing. This is great. This is what we want. Um, how, how different is it as you've gone to Miami and then Minnesota where – bigger program, bigger facilities, I'm guessing larger budget. What's that like uh, uh, from a from a game event uh, standpoint? Sure. So I think of it from the standpoint of equal effort, equitable scope. So yes, the scope at Minnesota is, is much larger than it, it was at Miami. I'll admit leaving Miami was one of the hardest things I had done because I felt so connected to the, that place and those people. I truly yeah. enjoyed my time there. But yeah, it, it was definitely just a difference in scope. And Oddly enough, I was exposed to a lot of the things that I'm doing now when I was at Georgia Tech. And so I was starting to think when I was at Miami, oh, I'd like to kind of tap into some of those things a little more. And then all of a sudden I get a mm-hmm. call. So, uh, but it, it was truly uh, an opportunity to be a liaison for the athletics department I, on a much broader scale than I'd ever thought I would do. I mean, I've worked with the governor and his office, the lieutenant governor as well, um, local city partners, doing a lot more on campus. I mean, it was really big. And uh, I appreciate that. I truly do. But um, there are times where I kind of sit back and I think, whoa, these are some big moves you just made. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I have the support and then the, the trust to, to make those moves and represent these, um, represent in front of these groups. So that makes it so much easier. So we all know to put on a massive event, like you do all the time, it takes a village. Uh, what do you look for when at, I mean, and you said you use a lot of student workers and you probably have a large team of, empl- of, of full-time employees, et cetera. What, what do you look for when trying to hire people on your team? And what are those important traits that you're hoping to discover in someone? So within my actual department, we have, it's me and two assistant directors and then two interns and then seven student assistants. I, one, look for people who kind of who understand the time commitment. That's, that's the big one. They, sometimes people think, oh, I want to work football. But in their mind, working football means when the game starts. Mm-hmm. Well, we're there five or six hours before that. Yeah. And if it's an 11 o'clock start, it's dark outside mm-hmm. when we're getting started working. So really looking for someone who understands the time commitment, but also looking for someone who has the capacity and the willingness to do it. You can do a lot more with people who are driven to succeed than people who maybe have all this experience, but don't have the good attitude, good energy. I mean, it just, it can weigh you down. So I try to look for those things in particular. Attitude matters so much. It really does. I'm with you. Like there's so many things we can, we can train and we can teach. And if somebody has the right attitude, they can adopt and, and perform with. 
but without that, you know, it's, it's, it's so hard to get, get people started and going in the right direction. So I completely mm-hmm. understand that. So through all of your stops, you've worked with a lot of different types of people. You've been around a lot of different, in a lot of different environments, high pressure, advanced planning, whatever, all the different phases of things. You've probably seen a lot of people burn out and get out of the industry. You've probably seen people succeed and, and thrive. What would you say if you were going to boil it down, those attributes or traits or, or want-tos that, that separate those successful people in this industry versus those that may burn out or not find as much enjoyment out of it? Are there certain patterns that you see or that have emerged? I think it's about finding those priorities and making sure they're properly placed. So, for example, the job can be very demanding. And while it's good to get it, you want to get it done. (laughs) You want to get it done at a high level. You also don't want to put family on the back burner, right? You also want to make sure that you're spending time for yourself. And I think think there's a mix between the work environment, your own personal priorities, understanding what those are. And I also, I'm a big believer though in reason in a season. Like I said, equipment or equipment management served uh, its purpose at a certain time in my life and I will forever be grateful for it, but I just don't exactly see myself going back into that right. that department. So I, I do believe that some, I mean, people have great stories to tell, but they also have lies that they, that now fit what they're looking for. And maybe that doesn't involve sports. I had a colleague who left a year or so ago and she said, I want, I like sports, but I don't want it to be everything. Yeah. And I, I could appreciate that. Yep. She okay. was also in social media and <laughs> social media has very high demands at this, this stage. So I, I get that. Yeah, no, I can appreciate that too. And you got to know who you are, what you want, what those buttons that, that I mean, excite you. I was talking with the group the other day and saying, you know, like, I get excitement out of this. I get excitement out of the conversations I have on the podcast. I get excitement out of working with young people and helping them out. If I wasn't feeling that, I'd look for change. So if you don't find something that excites you and makes you still happy, then you should be looking to go elsewhere. To to the point you made earlier about um, there are long days, there are weekends, there are nights, there are holidays. How do you help and manage for yourself and for those that are close around you, the mental health aspect? Sure. Well, I, I first believe there is a hard stop when health and safety are compromised in anything, yeah. in any any regard. And so I encourage flexing of schedules. Usually my department is one where, not the only, but we are definitely one where we're there before everybody gets there and we're there when everybody leaves. So we have to now adjust the rest of our schedule to make sure that we take care of ourselves. Yes. And I, I am a firm believer in that. I personally try to pay attention to what my team is doing. Like when it's with the students, I, I also check with them on school because, hey, that's the whole reason you're here. So <laughs> you know, how are you doing in school? Do you feel like this balance of classwork versus, you know, hanging out with us and covering the events is, is working for you? Do you need to take some time off? Same thing with the interns and student and um, assistant directors. Definitely want to make sure that there is a, a healthy integration of work and then making sure you take some time for yourself. I think there is value in being able to work from home, particularly in our, in our uh, world, because if, if I have a day of just full of meetings and I just finished a swimming and diving national championship, which I did actually, 
uh, last week, I-, I can now spend, let's say, Monday doing work, going to the meetings, but I can actually get my laundry done. Yeah. I wasn't able to do that all last week. Nope. <laughs> so I do think there is is a good balance. I think the other thing is, if you've heard of um, James Comey's book, yeah. um, one of the things that he talks about is making sure that as leaders, we set the example. So I need to make sure that I'm setting the example for the rest of my team that, hey, you can leave. There, they did a, um, there was a movie or a series, excuse me, on Netflix about him yeah. and uh, kind of introducing his book. And one of the bits of feedback that his character gave to the next person um, was make sure you leave at a reasonable time because your people will be there to support you. And it gives them freedom and support to leave at a reasonable time so they can go be with their families. They can spend time with their kids and do whatever else outside of work. So I also think that's the big thing is for me to set the example. There are times I will walk around the office and I'm like, all right, we've worked really hard over the past few days. Office is closed. Let's go. And just shoo everybody out so that we can, (laughs) you know, I want to encourage people to have healthy lifestyles. Um, But again, it may not be a balance, but it definitely can be an integration if you play your cards. I'm so impressed that this is top of mind. I, I, I'm I'm so thankful to hear you say it too, because I do think as leaders, we have to lead by example. And that means those examples you just gave. I remember starting out early in my career and going to cover a Super Bowl and working like 14 hour days for a week straight. And then I come back to work and it's like, oh, I'm right back on the schedule for my normal shift. Yeah. And it's like, I'm I'm burnt right now. Like I need some time to recuperate and to just have that mentality of flex timing and understanding the pace and the rhythm of what's happening at work and adjusting for it the next day where you don't have to be here, crack a dawn, you know, like I just think that's smart. And I think it's, 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 it's treating our people with as much respect as possible too and setting them up for a long-term success rather than burning them into the ground. I mentioned earlier that you're, you're, I get, you're pursuing your doctorate now. I will. <laughs> in philosophy, how do you think it's helped you as a, as a leader or as somebody who's wide-eyed and open to the industry and seeing the pitfalls and what's good or what's bad? Or like, what, what, do, you, what do you see that it's done for you so far as you get exposed to so many different points of view? I think it's providing me with more of an academic context. So, for example, uh, my focus is looking at the pipeline from being a student athlete to a senior administrator within college athletics. And what are some of the leaks along that pipeline that causes there to be, you know, people to just get out. And so really being able to look at some of the theories, for example, we have diversity management theory, but maybe I need to look at a different spin, like organizational justice theory with an intersectionality component. So being able to look at it from that lens, admittedly, I don't share all of this stuff with people. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really dig into this too much, but I, I do take a different approach to evaluating it. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, no, I think it's really interesting to see, you know, your focus and and how all those different points of view can start to influence it and then just change your perspective moving forward. I think that's great. Stephanie, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and also much, so much of your experiences. This has been a great, great, great conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you to Stephanie for coming on the show. I'm going to speak really transparently here and say her microphone wasn't great and it was my fault. I'm going to tell you the truth. 
We were having some technical difficulties and I may have changed a setting that affected the sound of her voice and didn't make it as great. Not Stephanie's fault, totally mine. Not our producer's fault, totally mine. I'm going to own this and just say, you know, we all make mistakes. But Stephanie was amazing. We wanted to do the best we could to fix the audio and make it as great as it could be so you could learn and enjoy from her experiences. I found it to be really, really interesting to hear her climb through the college athletic world because I think that can be a blueprint for so many of you that are interested in college athletics and want to make it your future. There is this great moment that's going to come at the end or as you progress through it, you're going to get to a point where it's going to feel like every bit of the work was worth it. So just keep Keep driving and let's be transparent and have honest conversations like this so you know what to expect. And it's not a surprise where after a couple of years, you're like, I can't believe how hard this is. As long as we speak honestly about what your expectations should be and the journey and the hiccups and the roller coaster ride that you'll be on, if you're still okay with it, there's a lot of great benefits at the end. Thanks for listening, everybody. Always great to have everybody here. Please rate, review, and subscribe so we can continue to grow. And that's important. So I'll see you on Monday.